0: Light shined among us, His glory revealed, Living. Now is a sin, my Lord, evermore. Death could not hold him, the grave could not keep him. He saved me, buried He carried my sins far away, rising He justified. Father, we thank you for that glorious day that you sent your son to die in our place to pay for our sins. And Father, we pray that our praises rise to you this morning and that you hear the worship in our voices and in our hearts and that you would be with Pastor Craig as he brings your word and open our hearts and ears to hear what you have for us. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. Good morning and welcome. Uh, My name is Craig Thompson and I am the senior pastor here and it is our privilege to have you with us as we've gathered here to worship or we've gathered there wherever you are this morning to worship. We continue uh, to, uh, to do these sort of different and weird things as a result of the COVID-19 outbreak. But what we are so grateful for is that regardless of what it is that may plague our world, Jesus continues to be the answer. He has still called his people to gather and to worship, and we love the opportunity that we can come together outside. And y'all, just to be totally honest, God deserves a lot of praise and glory for this beautiful day. It is Absolutely gorgeous. Uh, for those of you that are sitting in the shade, you're having a really good time. And even for those of us in the sunshine, it's just not bad. We got a breeze and it's good. So I great, am grateful uh, for the number of you that have gathered here in our on our lawn and in our parking lot. And, of course, for those of you who are watching at home, thank you for being a part of what God continues to do at Malvern Hill. I do want to remind you that nothing that's going on in the world around us stops the power of the gospel. And we, uh, we as God's people, continue to testify to his goodness and his glory. We gather for worship as a reminder that he is still the king and he is still seated on his throne, regardless of what it is that our world may throw out at us. Um, if you are sitting in your vehicle and you would like to tune in. The radio station, the FM station is 87.9 this morning, 87.9. Uh, we, we hope that that continues to get a little bit better every week, did a little bit of fine-tuning with that this week. When I say we, understand that's a collective we that I take responsibility for that I have absolutely nothing to do with. So what I should have said is they have done some fine-tuning on that to try to make it better. Uh, Few other announcements. Just uh, next Sunday is Father's Day. We we plan to be out here just as we are right now. Um, we are planning, uh, loosely, tentatively planning uh, to try to be back indoors in a socially separated, distanced way, uh, dividing our congregation between the same. I'm, I'm using for those of you that are at home. I'm using these hand motions so that you get an idea of the buildings between the sanctuary and our gymnasium. Um, so uh, that, that is the plan toward the end of the month. We will see if, uh, if things allow for that to be the case. Uh, of course, just about the time we planned it, we saw our cases across our state explode. So uh, we will, uh, but right now that is still uh, the working theory that we are, that we are aiming towards. Um, you'll see a few announcements come out this week that have absolutely nothing to do with our gathered worship. One of those things is, got, is gonna be that uh, we've got some metal folding chairs that we're gonna be getting rid of. If some of our members uh, would like some of those, um, you'll see an email just let us know you can come up to the office and pick some of those up anything that is not uh, that you guys don't have a need for we're gonna actually give those to another church that can benefit from them so uh, uh, we've got a church that can use those and we will be passing those along But we wanted to give you those options uh, first um, the only other thing I just want to encourage you, I know that there's some life group fellowships that took place this weekend. I know some of you continue to do the Zoom stuff. Y'all continue to connect with your life groups, life group leaders. Uh, find a way. Send text messages, make phone calls, uh, get everybody together for a picnic, but find a way to connect and to build those relationships to maintain those. All right, having said all that, we're in the book of Hebrews again today. Hebrews chapter 3. We've been in Hebrews now for a number of weeks. We will be in Hebrews until we finish the book. That is the goal and the intent right now. So if you have your Bible, we're in the book of Hebrews chapter 3. We're going to begin reading in verse 16. And I'm going to ask you to stand with me and honor God's Word. Remember, here in the book of Hebrews, our theme has been The better way. Jesus is the better way. And that's what we see in the book of Hebrews. Beginning in verse 16. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage he said, They shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day, today, saying through through David so long afterward, in the words already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Let's pray together. Father God, we praise you that today can be the day of salvation. Today, Lord God, as long as it is called today, is an opportunity for any who have heard the good news of the gospel to repent of their sins and to believe. Lord God, today is always the day, as long as it is called today, that will allow your wayward saints to come back home. Today is a day of repentance Today is a day for your glory and for our good. May we never cease to be reminded of the power of today, Lord God, that is promised to us because we have been given the Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God that infects and changes our lives. Lord God, may we see today as an opportunity to honor you and to see our lives changed. In Christ's name, amen. This is a passage of Scripture that we could probably spend the next four or five hours wrestling through. You all probably don't have the patience to put up with me for the next four or five hours, and so I won't attempt to do that. But I do believe that there are some key things that we can pull out of this, some real big main ideas. And this morning, I want to wrestle with one primary question from this passage of Scripture. Will you believe? Will you believe? If we're not careful, we can take a passage like this passage from Hebrews and we can sort of turn it into an academic exercise, you know? And, 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 and hear me say, there is value in the academic exercise that is found there. There is value in wrestling through some of these questions academically or theologically. This, this week, if you listen to my podcast, one of the things that I, I encourage some of you to be willing to do is to, to force yourself into times under tension by studying and dealing with the hard things of God's Word, and in so doing, you force yourself into growth, right? We don't have to wait for a day of struggle to experience growth and godliness. We can force ourselves into struggle with academic study and rigor and, 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 and even force ourselves in uncomfortable situations with mission trips and evangelism opportunities and all of those are ways that we create growth in our lives. But if we're not careful, we can come to a passage like this and it becomes an academic exercise as I begin to wrestle with, what is this day of rest and why is it that these people were this and why did this happen to them? and How in the world could they be so ridiculously unintelligent that they would not listen to God's Word and that they would be hardened and they would uh, miss out on the opportunity to experience God's rest when at the end of the day, the primary question that most of us need to wrestle with when we come to a passage of scripture like Hebrews is not, how did they, but Lord God, how could I? How might I, Lord, miss out on the opportunity to experience your salvation because of my hard heart or because of my stopped up ears or because of my arrogant disbelief? And so this morning, the question that I want us to wrestle with is this, will you believe? Will you believe? Any of y'all ever listen to Charles Swindoll, Chuck Swindoll on the radio? Chuck Swindoll tells a story. He once found himself with too many commitments in too few days. He got nervous and tense about it. He said, I was snapping at my wife and our children, choking down my food at mealtimes and feeling irritated at those unexpected interruptions throughout the day. Before long, things around our home started reflecting the patter of my hurry-up style. It was becoming unbearable. Haven't we all been there? Watch this. Suddenly realizing her, uh, excuse me, he says, My daughter, after supper one evening, came to me. She wanted to tell me something important that had happened to her at school that day. She began hurriedly, Daddy, I want to tell you something, and I'll tell you really fast. He said, realizing her frustration, I answered, Honey, you can tell me, and you don't have to tell me really fast. Say it slowly. I'll never forget her answer. She said, Then listen slowly. Slowly. And how often is it when we come to God's Word, we're saying, God, can you hurry up and get me something today? God, I would like to hear from you. If you can fit it into my busy schedule. God, I've penciled in three minutes. And Lord God, if you'll speak to me in those three minutes, I'll be happy to hear whatever it is that you have to say. Folks, I want you to know if we're going to hear from God, we've got to slow down long enough to listen slowly because God's Word almost never comes to us quickly. This is why it's important for me to preach 45-minute sermons, you see, to teach you all to slow down and to listen slowly. This is, this is in all honesty, why worship matters. But part of it, at least, because when we come together regularly, when we set aside times from our busy lives and we say, Lord God, here am I, Lord, speak. We stop everything else that's going on around us and we focus only on hearing from the Word of the Lord. We've got to slow down. So this morning, the first thing I want us to see out of this passage in Hebrews is that we've got to listen to God's truth. If we would believe, we've got to listen to God's truth. Now, this seems relatively self-explanatory, but it needs to be said over and over and over again. We can't know the truth unless we hear the truth, unless we listen to the truth. Folks, do you actually know what God's Word says? How many of you would pass a test if somebody gave you a list of the, the 66 books of the Bible? I took one of those online surveys the other week. I don't do these. It's generally a bad idea. Um, and you've got to be careful because half the time they're just trying to get a, a virus on your computer. But this one was so nerdy, I assumed there was no way that anybody was trying to get to me. And the question was, could you distinguish between a medication, the name of a medication and, and a name from one of J.R.R. Tolkien's books? Right? So I told you it's incredibly nerdy. So, you know, it got easy, like Gandalf. I had that one. That was right. You know, Uh, Frodo, we got that. Those are characters. But then there were some of these words that I could not tell if they came from Tolkien or if they were the scientific name given to a medication. I had absolutely no idea what we were working with there. Folks, how many of you if somebody throws out a biblical sounding book would know for sure that does or doesn't belong to God's word? What about Melchizedek? Was he there? You ever read the book of Melchizedek? If you're thinking you have then you're wrong because even though it might sound like a good biblical book and even though that is a biblical character, you need to know that's not one of the books in the Bible. There is no 3 Corinthians. Well, there's no written 3 Corinthians that we have that we own in our possession, right? We we don't have the third book of Samuel. We, we don't have second David because there is no such book. It's important that we know that. Now, I, I recognize that that sort of harbors on absurdity. But y'all, do you actually know what God's Word says? Can you identify those things that are biblical and those things that are not? We can get this wrapped up when we get caught up in some of these old wives' tales, can't we? So, for instance, somebody will say that money is the root of all evil. Well, the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says something like that. But the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Okay? The Bible doesn't say that cleanliness is next to Godliness. Moms, I'm sorry. I know that y'all want it to say that. But listen, moms, I'm going to help you. The Bible does say that children are to obey their parents. You don't have to make up things out of God's Word to get your kids to do what they're supposed to do. You just need to apply the things in God's Word that are actually there. Right? Um, What about three wise men? Now, I know that there had to be three wise men because we have several nativity scenes in our home and all of them have three wise men. Every single one. We have nativity scenes around here. But we don't have any idea how many wise men or even how wise they were. We just know that they brought three gifts. There There was an entourage of people that came to Jesus from the east and they brought three gifts. But more likely than not, there were far more than three of them. How about this biblical saying, To thine own self be true? Can anybody cite that book? You'll have a hard time because it doesn't come from the Bible at all. It sounds biblical because it's written in sort of a King James ish sort of English. But that's actually Shakespeare and it comes from Hamlet. Now, this is perhaps the most dangerous of all the ones that I mentioned here this after or this morning. Because this one is the most descriptive of our, of our time. To thine own self be true. Shakespeare may have written it for Hamlet so many years ago, but folks, couldn't that be used not only as a statement, but a summary statement for American culture, Western culture in the 21st century? Right? To, you, you, be, you do you. You be true to your self. The problem is that we've got to listen to God's Word. We've got to listen to enough of God's truth loud enough to make sure it sinks in. How is it that you will expose yourself regularly regularly to the Word of God? Y'all, I want to suggest to you that you've got to read it, you've got to hear it, but... If we really want to be consumed by God's Word, we've got to experience it through different kinds of mediums. There's got to be a variety of media that we experience the Word of God through. right? You need to read God's Word and hear God's Word. We're doing that today. Hopefully some of you have spent time this week reading your Bible. This morning you're hearing the Word of God preached. Those are at least two ways. There are other ways. You might listen to the Bible on an audiobook. You might listen to another sermon this week. You might listen to some Christian music this week that that helps you to understand God's Word and to know it a little bit better, but we've got to actually be exposed to the Word of God. The writer of Hebrews gives a warning to those who didn't inherit God's rest, who don't inherit God's salvation. And folks, the first thing that we've got to be aware of if we're going to inherit God's salvation, we've got to hear God's Word. The people of Israel that didn't inherit God's land, they had heard from the Lord. They had heard from the Lord. The assumption of the writer of the Hebrews here is that the people to whom he's writing had heard from the Lord. But folks, I'm not 100% confident that in American culture today we can always assume that people have heard from the Lord. Unfortunately, even in the evangelical church, we can't assume that people have heard from the Lord because we can't assume that God's people even have spent time with God's Word. Now listen. I do like to live under the assumption that y'all, y'all are my people, and I like to live under the assumption that y'all are different, all right? Y'all are the exceptional case. So I'm going to preach about all those other people that aren't reading God's Word, but even as I do, just understand, I'm also, I'm also realistic. And folks, we've got to make sure that we look in the mirror. And we wrestle with the question. i got to make sure I look at all of y'all, not just the people that will see this on screen somewhere, somebody that might watch it later on, that I look at all of you and I say, are you spending time in God's Word? Are you being exposed to the things of the Lord? Because y'all, we have zero hope of trusting in the goodness of God unless we know the truths of God. We need to spend time in the Word of the Lord. Listen to God's truth. Second this morning, though, Tell yourself God's truth. Now let's return to that quote from Hamlet above. To thine own self be true. Do you understand that this is the complete opposite of God's word? The absolute opposite of God's word. And I don't have to run to the New Testament to get that. Psalm 23.3. Psalm 23 is one of the most beloved of all Psalms. And there David says, He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Not in paths that make me happy. Not in the places that I necessarily want to go. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Folks, God's Word always drives us to truth. To true truth. And God's Word desires to transform and change us. Not into a different version of our own image. But into God's image for us. Us, But y'all, we've got to make sure that we are telling ourselves the truth. And the truth is that the path of righteousness often runs exactly contrary to my own sinful fleshly desires. I don't always want what's best or right or good. As a matter of fact, I think you could all agree with me that there have been times in my life when I usually didn't want what was best or right or good. But at the end of the day, my desires matter very little, but God's desires matter completely and totally, and God's ways are always right. I have to tell myself the truth, to believe the truth. In many ways, it's not sufficient to hear the truth. I've got to repeat it to myself over and over and over again. Now, we're not talking about some kind of self-actualization, where I'm just constantly telling myself good things. If that worked, y'all, I would, I would, I would have a six-pack and I'd have a head full of hair and this gray hair would go away. I could look in the mirror and say, bring my red beard back. And there I would, looking like Redbeard the Pirate right here in front of you. But it doesn't. Something about pastoring y'all has made me unusually gray at an unusually young age. It's either pastoring y'all or parenting four children. I'm not sure. It's probably a combination of the two. But y'all, we we don't just get to speak a truth and assume that that truth is going to be at work in my life. Right? I I don't make it. But I've got to regularly hear the truth. Why? Because the Bible teaches us that Satan is the father of lies. 1 Peter 5, 8 reminds us, Your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Folks, how is it that Satan might devour you? How is it that he might consume you? Is it possible perhaps probable that when we consider the tools at his disposal little if anything is more effective at destroying our lives than to convince us to believe a lie think of the lies that may begin small maybe the lies that begin small be something like my church doesn't care about me or my pastor doesn't care about me but how much more destructive when the lies begin to compound Maybe we begin to question whether or not that passage of Scripture has application. Well, that that one's true for you, but that one doesn't apply to me. Or maybe another lie. Maybe maybe we begin to believe the lie that the Bible isn't God's Word. Maybe we take it even further and we begin to believe the lie that the Bible was just written by a bunch of old men to impose white male domination on the world. Side note for all of us white folks, there was not a white person in the Bible. And that's important for us to remember. Remember? And for anybody that seeks to push that narrative, it's important to remember that that the Bible is not a Western document, right? The Bible was written by Middle Eastern peoples to help us to understand. Why? Because that was God's chosen people to communicate God's message. But y'all, it's so easy for us to begin to believe the lie that the Bible, or excuse me, the lie that Satan gives to us. How do we How do we fight against that light? We've got to regularly return to the truth. Now, this comes back to point number one. Before I can come to the truth, I've got to know the truth. But I've got to regularly remind myself, repeat the truth back. I've got to choose to believe the truth. You understand? You have to choose to believe the truth. I'll never forget sitting across the table from a guy. I was about 20, must have been 22 years old. And uh, and this guy looked at me and he said, I guess it's just not meant for me to be a Christian. I said, well, what does that even mean? Why would you say that? He said, I just don't feel like God's chosen me to be a Christian. I said, brother, that doesn't square with God's Word. Now, I had gotten to know this guy a little bit, and what I knew about this man was not that he didn't believe that God had called him to follow him, not that he didn't believe that God's word could potentially be true. What I knew is that this guy didn't want to give his life to Jesus. You understand? He loved his sin. But when he was talking with the young pastor, he wanted to make sure that he wrapped it up in some kind of neat little theological bow that I might not be able to discuss with him. And so he actually goes all the way to using... A biblical word and says, "I guess I'm just not elect." And I said, "Brother, the Bible says that all who call on the name of the Lord to be saved, do you include it among that all? Well, I don't know if that applies to me. Folks, you understand, we can even take truths of God's word, take them out of context, and allow them to become a lie. That we hold on to. And we use that lie as an insulation against the truth. An insulator so that I don't have to change. Folks, you have to choose to believe the truth. You choose it. Will you believe God's word? Even though it grates against every comfortable part of your life. Will you believe God's word? And third this morning, will you live out the truth? How were the people judged in the Exodus and the Hebrews? Ultimately, the Bible says God judges based on, their, on our faith, right? So he says that they uh, were unable to enter because of unbelief. A pastor friend of mine some years ago wrote, wrote a little book called The Sin of Unbelief, right? And, and, and he, he used that passage in the, in the New Testament where the, the Father looks at Jesus and says, I believe, but help mine unbelief. I think many of us have had that prayer in our life before, haven't we? Just a realization. Now, I have great hope that that prayer carries weight because the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 42 that, that Jesus, when he comes, would not snuff out a smoldering wick. That, folks, the faintest faith is all that it takes. Charles Spurgeon, years ago, pointed out in a sermon, he said, If you would but look to the cross, he said, If you can't even utter the words, if you would but look, Jesus can save you. I am of the absolute confidence in God's word that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. That everyone who would believe on the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. And folks, you don't have to have a whole lot of belief. Just about that much is all it takes to accomplish in your life what only Jesus can do. Why? Because it's not your faith that saves. It's the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ that saves you from your sins. And yet, the Bible warns that there are many who will not inherit eternal life. Even those who have heard God's word... Even those who to some degree have believed God's Word, they won't inherit eternal life because they've not internalized that belief. They've not lived out the truth. There was disobedience. You say, Craig, now how do you judge their heart? I'm not. I'm telling you what the Bible says. They they were disobedient. They were disobedient in their lack of belief. But that disobedience, that lack of belief, bears itself out in actions that do not look like Jesus. It bears itself out. We've got to be careful that we live out the truth. We talked earlier about lies. And one I didn't mention, but I believe is terribly dangerous. is the, I'm out of breath up here. Y'all haven't. Whew, is the oft-quoted uh, Southern Baptist axiom, once saved, always saved. Now, it isn't so much that the words are untrue. It is absolutely true that anyone who has been saved from their sin is incapable of losing their salvation. The Bible is very clear about that. Jesus says, those whom the Father has given me are mine indeed, and no one can take them out of my hand. The Bible is clear that anyone who has been saved by the blood of Jesus, or excuse me, that no one who's been saved by the blood of Jesus will lose their salvation. However, when we term it that way, we often misapply that truth. The Bible never says, once saved, always saved. Jesus says things like, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. And the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. The Bible also says, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him and he cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. And so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you're truly my Disciples. The perseverance of the preservation of the saints doesn't mean that everyone who's heard the Word of God is saved. On the contrary, the book of Hebrews, as we will see in a few weeks, warns us this. He warns against those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, and have shared in the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come, and have fallen away. We've got to restore them to repentance since they are crucifying once again the Son of God. See, it isn't enough for you to hear good preaching and even tell yourself the truth. You've got to believe. You must believe. You have to live it out. Listen and believe. You must believe or you will perish. But belief, though easy in the moment, isn't as easy as you might believe because when you believe fully believe on the name of Jesus for salvation, the truths of Jesus and the work of Jesus in your life, your life may very well be completely destroyed. Because when Jesus invades, here's what he does. He shows you the ugliness of the idols in your life. Sometimes he just comes in and he rips them out and we praise him for that, even though it might hurt. Other times he does something that is is unenjoyable. Jesus takes away the joy that I had in some of my idolatry. Any of you have ever had that experience of there being a food that you absolutely loved and then one day you taste it and for some reason the joy in that food is completely gone? My grandfather died uh, ten, year, 10 years ago. Um, and, but my grandfather had, had developed uh, some dementia as he aged. My grandfather drank instant coffee every day of his life. I don't know why anyone would drink instant coffee one day of their life. He drank it every day of his life. And as long as I knew him, he drank instant coffee out of the same coffee cup. It was a white, like just diner coffee cup. It had a hairline crack in it. It was foul. I mean, it was stained and chipped. And every morning, he made instant coffee in that coffee cup. As he aged, my mom and my aunts began to spend the night at his house so that they'd make sure there was care for he and my grandmother. And one morning, one of them fixed his coffee and handed it to him. And he looked at them and said, Why did you fix this for me? I don't drink this mess. What what are you talking about? This is your coffee. I don't drink coffee. That thing that for 50 years of his life had given him joy suddenly... The disease process in his brain had taken away the joy. Now, it's not always the disease process that takes away our joy. Angela and I bought some things for our kids a few weeks ago that we had enjoyed as kids, like some sweet stuff that we had enjoyed and we hadn't eaten in 10 or 15 years. And have you ever noticed that every once in a while when it's been that long, you take a bite and you go, whoa, that is not what I remembered. And it it, it sort of takes a little piece of your soul with it, right? Right? Because you remembered it being so good, and you build it up to your kids, and everybody gathers around, and they taste it, and they look at you, and they're like, what's wrong with you? This is good, right? And you taste it, and you're like, oh, what's wrong with me? Folks, I want you to know that when Jesus saves you, there's going to be some taste in your life that will change, and it's going to be hard, and it's going to affect you in a difficult kind of way. There are going to be some friendships that once brought you joy that no longer will. There'll be some entertainment that you once enjoyed that you no longer can enjoy. There'll be processes in your brain and and kinds of thoughts that you can no longer enjoy because the Holy Spirit of God invades. And He tears away your sinful strongholds and He begins to shape you and change you when you fully believe on the power of Jesus for salvation. So this morning in closing, will you believe? Now, now notice, I'm not, I'm not asking will you come to church. Not, not as your husband a deacon, not will you pass along a chain letter about Jesus on Facebook. For the record, please don't do that. Please. I still love Jesus, even though I don't click on your Facebook link about Jesus, I promise. See, the question is not will you do those things. The question is will you believe? Will you give everything to have Christ? Believe in Jesus is nothing less than a total train wreck transformation in your life. I'm reading a book right now called How to Be- Rebuild Civilization in the Aftermath of a Cataclysm. Seemed like a really ridiculous thing to read until 2020, and then we thought maybe we all need to read this. It's really an odd sort of book. But it, it, it's, it's pretty incredible because the guy walks through the history of Western civilization and all the technologies that help Western civilization to thrive. And he points out how for so many of the technologies that we enjoy, they're built, they didn't just come out of nowhere, they were were stacked on top of small advances over and over and over again, from something like concrete and steel that allows buildings to be, be built taller and higher, asphalt, all the way to... What we now see as as commercialized farming that makes it actually possible for the entire world to be fed and all the things that are necessary for us to understand the way those things work. And he helps us to see that if we were to lose everything, we couldn't just snap our fingers and bring it all back. That the combustion engine is a relatively simple thing, but if you didn't have anything... You've got to invent so many things before you could actually make it to the combustion engine. All these technologies are stacked on top of one another. So again, it's a ridiculous concept. But listen, when you give your life to Jesus, you're saying yes to whatever catastrophe he may have in store for you. You see, the reality is we're we're, we're not going to live through the kind of catastrophe that it would take to Render our civilization completely back to the Stone Age, right? We're, we wouldn't survive it. That's what makes that book so ridiculous. But the scary thing is when you give your life to Jesus, He might put you through just such a personal disaster. And here's the thing, you're going to survive it. The question is, are you willing? Are, are, are you willing to run to Jesus and to allow that the Lord may actually undo you in such a way That you might be saved. See, the warning in Hebrews right here is a warning that people may actually hear the good news of God's Word and not be saved. And and there's, there's an even scarier warning that many will hear the good news of God's Word, have some kind of a religious experience, but never actually believe on Jesus. They might enjoy the church. They might get some kind of joy from the Word of God. But when it's all said and done, they're going to be like the children of Israel. And do you remember what happened there? If you recall, what happened is that God brought them through so much and he fed them and he gave them clothes that wouldn't wear out. And then he sends this group of spies in to the promised land. he says, they come back and God says, I've given it to you. Just go take it. And a couple of them. You've heard of them, Joshua and Caleb. They come back and they say, man, this is a scary place, but we got a scary God and I'm too worried about this. It's everything that the Lord promised to us. And God has been everything that he promised he would be. It's a little scary, but why don't we trust him? Because you remember the Red Sea? You remember Pharaoh? He's done all of that. He's fed us. Why don't we go on? But there were 10 others that said, oh, No. Yeah, God said He would do all of this, but our eyes have seen what lays ahead. And God may have said, but listen, don't listen to what God said. Here's what they said. They said, listen to what we're telling you. And the sin of the Israelites that kept them from inheriting God's promised land is that they listened to the voice of men rather than to the voice of God. See, folks, when we give our lives to Jesus, this this is kind of what happens. We say, God, my way isn't working. I don't know what it costs me to have you, but, God, if it costs me everything and I get you, God, that'll be enough. See, when we give our lives to Jesus, we say, Lord God, everything out there is terrifying. And I don't know how, but, Lord God, somehow or other, I'm going to trust that in a world that is broken and scary, that, God, you're still going to be enough. It says, Lord God, I can look to Calvary and an empty grave, and I can know that you overcame death, hell, sin, and a grave. And Lord, I can look at the hell that I've created in my own life and believe that, in spite of my best thinking, that your way is going to be better. And, folks, in the midst of all of that, there is hope to be found in the good news of Jesus. And so, this morning, my question is will you believe? Not in yourself. Folks, yourself will do nothing but let you down. Not in what the world has to give us today. Folks, we look around our world is in a mess. Not in the way that doctors may bring healing someday. But instead, will you believe in the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ to set you free from every sin and every shame that holds you in capture today? will you believe? If you're not a follower of Jesus here today or at home, will you believe? Would you, would you just trust in faith that God's ways, though they may not be our ways, are the right ways? Would you give your life to Jesus today? Perhaps, though, you are a believer in Jesus. And perhaps as I've preached this morning, you recognize that even as a follower of Jesus, you've really not trusted Jesus today or this year. Or for the last five years. You've you've relied on your own strength. And here you hear this warning from the book of Hebrews. That those who belong to Jesus look like Jesus. And they trust Jesus. And they follow Jesus. This morning, would you believe that Jesus is enough? Even though it might not be comfortable. Even though it might be scary. Even though there may be giants in the land ahead of you. Would you believe that Jesus is enough? Would you trust Him? We're going to continue working through the book of Hebrews. And we're going to see all sorts of warnings. But when it's all said and done, this morning, I want you to hear these hard teachings. I want you to hear these biblical teachings. I want you to hear them. and I want you to not lie to yourself. Tell yourself the truth, no matter how difficult and uncomfortable it is. And then, live and believe that Jesus is enough. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing. And as I did last week, if there's anybody here today, we'll maintain our distance. I won't get in your face, but if you'd like me to pray with you, I'll be right up here, and I'd love to pray with you this morning. Speak with you about what it might mean to follow Jesus or what it might mean as a follower of Jesus to commit your life to a deeper and closer walk with Him. However it is that I might pray for you, care for your ministry. minister to you, I want to do that. But I want to encourage you this morning to allow God to be at work in your life regardless of the fact that we're worshiping in a way that's a little abnormal. Let's pray together. Father God in heaven, I pray that your word would be true today. Well, God, we know that it is. I pray that we would actually believe it or that we would, we would look to the book of Hebrews and that we would be assured of the truthfulness of your word that Father, just as there were those in the wilderness who did not inherit your rest Lord God Lord, I pray that we would God, be rescued from the temptation to trust ourselves Father God, we'd trust you in Jesus' name Amen as you stand and before we sing this morning, let me just remind you that there is a day that is spoken of right there in the book of Hebrews. And that day is today. And as long as that day is called today, then today can be the day that God saves you from your sin. Would you come today and be saved? Let's sing together.
0: I am one.